Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of Canadian Investing in the U.S. Uh, this week, my guest is Richard Canfield. Uh, Richard, you want to start by giving people a bit of an intro to yourself? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Glenn. Well, happy to be on the show. Um, you know, I'm a I'm a recovering electrician by trade. Uh, many years ago, <laughs> I've been I've been recovering for 15 years now. Uh, I'm recovered enough. I will turn on a light switch. And uh, um, you know, I got started in my my real estate investing journey uh, actually earlier on. I was uh, with my family. We had bought our first rental property in the small town of Camrose, Alberta, and uh, that was uh, going back to like 1995, something like that. So I think I was like I don't know, 12, 11 years old. And so I was on title as a beneficial interest to that property. It was, you know, it was, it was actually my my siblings and I, my parents that did this deal. It was a suited house, all the things that could possibly go wrong in one property. We had all that stuff happen, like guys in the basement suite, body checking each other, playing floor hockey in the basement through walls. I learned how to repair drywall. At one time, there was this dog named Goliath that was on the property. And like what do you think a dog? dog? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. What what do you think a dog named Goliath does when it's not well managed in a big yard? Yeah. It digs to China basically. So, you know, I had to, rec- I had to reclaim the yard. I shingled my first couple of roofs there. I moved more appliances than I care to count and remember. Um, so we learned a lot in that time, a lot of painting, did, did a lot of stuff, all those things. Cause we didn't have coaching. There were no podcasts back then. We didn't know where to get resources. We were just literally fumbling through it, like doing the best that we really could. And the result of that, after about six years is uh, I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder and I was pretty pissed off about this whole experience. And I had a really negative takeaway from this idea of investing in real estate. When that property got sold, coincidentally sold right before the market elevated in the Alberta marketplace at that time. So maybe not the best timing, but we we got out of it. And uh, I got my share of the capital back. And I thought, oh, oh, well, this is interesting. So all that work was for something, right? I, I started to see it from a different vantage point. And literally it was about three months later, that I was moving forward and buying another rental in in this this concept of a virtual apartment building where you would buy like a you know condominiums that were in a rental pool in in different projects kind of all over the country so that you could build you know you could you could separate some of your uh, uh, you know uh, risk relative to different markets that go through yeah. different you know economic cycles and what have you yeah. and yeah so we sold that property and I was getting right back into it again because I could now I could own and have the benefit of ownership without having to deal with tenants you know, toilets, termites, that whole, that whole song and dance. And, uh, you know, I just kind of progressed really from there. So, you know, shooting forward to, uh, you know, 2009, this uh, beautiful book, a self-published book came into my life by uh, my, my amazing mentor, a guy I love dearly. His name's R. Nelson Nash called Becoming Your Own Banker. I learned about the infinite banking concept and immediately began implementing that in my life and realizes that you know, I, I have a spirit to give. And this was the thing I'd been looking for for my whole life. I, I knew that I needed to find a way to teach this to other people in, in Canada. Now we teach it in Canada as well as to our colleagues down in the States. So we're having a lot of fun doing that. And that that led us to, you know, today where we've now literally just last week, we just did a book launch on our third book and uh, reached bestseller on Amazon in Canada in several categories. So we've actually got uh, three books here that of all, we've all done uh, some successful launches and uh, I've all reached a bestseller status at a number of their categories. So ton of fun. And we're, we're getting, going to get started on book number four next. That sounds awesome. Like there's got to be some strategy to this. You don't just write a book and put it out and they just hope and dream. And there's got to be more. Is there some planning, some strategy, uh, even even getting that self-published? Maybe, maybe tell me a little bit about how that's the sort of how that goes. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it was a big learning process. Thankfully, I've had some good coaching uh, along the way. So one of my clients, uh, Fong Shua, he's a real estate investor and does some coaching. And he's he's published a number of books that they've done. And so he's he's learned a lot of that. And so he does with his coaching clients and he's you know offered to provide some of that service to me, uh, helping them understand how to do a successful launch uh, and so forth. So right now where we're at, we just published through the Amazon, it's called KDP um, Publishing Platform. And you have to get your, your, your book created in a certain way. Everything has to be edited and, you know, images need to be done in a certain way, all that kind of stuff. Yep. And they, that gets loaded up and everything's basically print on demand. Um, you can order author copies at a bit of a discounted price. Um, you know, ordering in the U S I think you can get them a lot faster in Canada. There's a bit of a lag to receiving the books, unfortunately, but uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty seamless process. Now there's many other ways to get the books into other categories, so we've actually recently, my partner, Jason and I, we just recently hired an amazing individual. Uh, his name's Kerry Oberrunner, um, someone that we know through the strategic coach organization with Dan Sullivan. And he's really helped a lot of people do very successful launches on other platforms, things like, you know, USA Today and, and you know, bestseller lists on, you know, New York Times, that sort of thing. So he's going to help provide us a new level of coaching um, as we look to scale and, and do more with this book series. This all started because um, my partner, Jason and I, we were a member of an organization called Strategic Coach. And Dan Sullivan, who runs that organization, he puts out a quarterly book. Now, they're a very small, easy to read, short air flight type of book. They have some images um, that you could basically read in a, in, in a simple form, or you can get a visual form, or you can, you know, can click a link to listen to like a podcast episode. So he gives you all the ways of learning the content in that short little book. And we were inspired by that idea. And that's kind of the premise of how we started our journey. You know, it turns out that our books are maybe you know, although you can read them typically in about 60 to 90 minutes, you know, they're a little bit more involved than that. And what I thought was going to be easy turned out to be not as easy, especially when you have two authors. In our last book, we actually had a third author, a CPA, uh, a friend that we work with, Henry Wong, keep taxes away from your wealth. Yep. So, so there's a, there's a lot to know in that process. And uh, we did hire a ghostwriter to help us out. Now they basically put a framework together we have the core content, we have the, the 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 headings and the things that we want to get accomplished in the book. And then we usually have some, you know, audio or like a video or a live webinar that we've maybe recorded that has several of the core components. And we provide a transcript and that, that resource to help that ghostwriter kind of put things together. And I mean, obviously there's a price tag to that. You know, there's always a price tag. Yeah. Um, you know, in our circumstance, it's, you know, the first book, I think, uh, we had to go through some revisions. The first company we hired didn't go so well. So we actually brought in somebody new. So it definitely cost us more to get it accomplished. And it took the longest amount of time. But once you get that first edition back, then you go through your own editing process and you fill in and you, you personalize it to your own circumstances quite a bit. I mean, in reality, we could have just went and released that book, but it wouldn't have been the book that we actually wanted to no, release. Yeah. You got to make it. Your own. Yeah. So you, you know, you got to do that. And then I, I go through my, my version of it. My partner, Jason goes through his, we maybe do another once over. We send it back to the ghostwriter. She cleans all the mess that we created up, <laughs> right? <laughs> Sends it back to us to a, for a revision. We make some additional tweaks, send it back to her. She cleans those up and then eventually gets to an editor for a final edit. And then meanwhile, she has a designer working on things like the cover. And then we, you know, so we go through some iterations of all those things. Reasonably, it's, it's pretty simple, but yeah. it does take time because we're all busy in life. We're running a business. We're doing things. We have a podcast. Like we got a lot going on. So finding the time to commit to that is is actually can be very difficult, uh, especially with a busy travel schedule, et cetera. So it has taken a while. The goal is to get out one every quarter. Um, we've been at it now for for two years and we've we just released book three. So I would say we're a little behind schedule, 
but uh, I, I like to tell people I'm slow, but I'm worth waiting for. Yeah. What's well, like, you, you know, the, the whole 10 X philosophy, you, you aim really high. Even if you come in below it, you're way ahead of your, 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 where you originally planned to hit. Right. So totally, yeah. totally. So it still looks good. Right. Okay. Yeah. So no, that's great. Um, This is completely not even relevant, even if you don't know the answer to this, but how many, do you know have any idea how many books you have to sell to be a bestseller? Like what kind of, volume is Amazon expecting to be to be able to get on that list. Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that I've created a new coaching program. I believe the new coaching program has way more value than any of the programs that have even existed in the past. What we've done is pre-recorded all the lessons so that you can work through it at your own pace, which is pretty cool. And then we're going to meet up on a regular basis to answer the questions, do a deal analysis, and actually spend our time together working on things instead of spending our time learning things. I think this will make a seamless transition to buying in the United States and will help you solve a lot of your problems. If this is of interest to you, go to glensutherland.com coaching. I hope to help you guys invest in the United States and I hope we provide as much value as possible. Back to the podcast. That's a that's a very good question, and so there are actually some really good resources, coincidentally, on YouTube, and uh, there's a few people I follow on there. And so, if you get really clear and strategic on your categories, so everything is based on different categories. There's like some primary categories, and then there's some subcategories. So you, when you go to load your book in, you get to choose what those categories are that your book fits in. Now, your book does need to fit in those categories. It needs to make sense. Like I couldn't yeah. say I have like hey, my book is, you know, in personal finance and then say it's about like, I don't know, children's math or something. Like it's yeah, not going to yeah. really fly. Um, so, there, so there does need to be some rationale to that. But there's, a, there's actually some tools that are out there that can help you see how many books need to be sold at that time, roughly speaking, in that category to be able to get to a number one status. And you can also see like the competition that's out there. Um, so it gives you a bit of, better of a insight to, to do that as long as again, that, that category is relevant. So, you know, what we, what, what, the way we plan our book launch has been that we, you know, we have a, a list of obviously our, our clients and people that subscribe to our podcast and the things that we do. And uh, we do send everyone a notice. What we do is we reduce the book uh, price down to essentially its lowest amount. The, the purpose of the book launch isn't really to make any revenue. And in general, for us, the purpose of our books isn't about revenue generation. It's about getting the information out. It's about getting it in people's hands and giving them tools so that those tools can help them make better decisions. That's really our focus. Um, and so, you know, we, 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 our recent book, we had the price down, I think to 895 Canadian, which is about the lowest that we could, we could have that book printed on demand and shipped to somebody through Amazon yep. service. And so, which is, which is roughly about 60% off the regular price of the book. Okay. Yep. So we set that to happen over a, a day, a couple of day period, you know, 48 hours, 72 hours, roughly send out some advanced notices that that's going to happen. When we sent it out, we gave people the link to the book. We also offered a, just for us, we just decided, Hey, let's offer a gift card draw just as a fun incentive and, and why not? And so we did a $200 gift card draw. Everyone that clicks a certain link in our system, they can then enter their order number to confirm that they've made a purchase and they can get entered into the draw. So we haven't done the draw on our most recent book. I'll probably be doing that in a couple of days. Um, and, uh, that's always fun. It's fun to do that. It's fun to, oh, yeah. to give away some money. It's, it, it just makes it, uh, it's gamifies it a little bit for everybody. And, uh, you know, we've, I think the result was, um, just on this recent launch for keep taxes away from your wealth. I think we sold roughly 500 books in wow. about a four or five day period. 
So it's not like a monstrous amount, but when it comes to self-publishing, it, it actually is a, a monstrous amount. Yeah. So in, in order to hit the bestseller in some, certain categories, we probably only needed to sell maybe 25 or 30 bucks. Yeah. So it just depends. Um, you know, our, our first book actually was number one on, we, we, we sold enough to have it actually on number one on Amazon store in Canada across the, across the, the whole country for the number one book sold in the, in the country um, for a couple of days, at least anyway. Yeah. And it, it all goes down to that kind of that launch strategy and, and having a game plan around it so that you can do it. And then obviously, I mean, you, you want your book to be edited well enough and you want it to be good enough that yeah. you can get some positive ratings. If you can get some ratings that are legitimate on the book, which, which we've done because uh, it's adding value to people, well, then those help you on an ongoing basis because Amazon's algorithm starts to serve up your book and your content as a recommended reading to people buying things that are similar. And so that's part of our overall strategy is that, you know, as we're doing these, these books, you know, roughly every quarter, if we can maintain that pace, we'll, we'll see how we get there. But as, as we do that, um, our, each book that's purchased, it'll automatically serve up the other books that we've already created. If that kind of makes sense. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. So you're writing these books. What do you, what do you write them about? Right. I think so this will transition into our second topic. What do you write your book about? Oh, well, um, uh, very, very good question. I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's all about what, what we do is we teach people how to implement the process of becoming your own banker. As we learn from our mentor, Nelson Nash, everything that we do is, you know, Nelson, he was an amazing, incredible individual. He passed away uh, in April of uh, March of 2019. So it's been four years and you know, I, I I was blessed to know him. He's completely, there's not a single aspect of my life, Glenn, that hasn't been positively impacted by getting to know that man and getting to know his concept. It's fundamentally changed all aspect of my life, how I think about real estate, how I think about all of it. And, um, you know, when Nelson passed away, uh, he was 88 revolutions around the sun, he would say. When he passed away, so just imagine for a moment, imagine you have 45 pieces of cash flowing real estate. They're fully paid for, whether it's a multifamily buildings or they're single family, doesn't matter. They're, they're fully paid for. They're producing a great cash flow. They're self-managed. You don't have to do a, do a darn thing. Yep. The day that you kick the bucket, 17 of those properties are sold for their highest appraised value ever instantly. You don't have to put them on the market. You don't have to hire a realtor. You don't have to pay any legal fees. There's no capital gains and all the money goes tax-free to the people you love and care about. 28 of those, those assets, those pieces of real estate are still in four are still there. And the family has them distributed the way that you want. And they're still producing a cash flow and still building equity. That would sound pretty good, right? Yeah, it sounds pretty good. I'm just trying to, I'm wrapping my head around it. So, well, well, <laughs> that's exactly what happened with our Nelson Nash. So when Nelson passed away, he had 45 dividend paying whole life insurance contracts all with a large amount of equity, very similar to a buy and hold piece of real estate. They were all generating a cash flow. Okay. When he passed away, 17 of those contracts, which is a form of property, property contract. Okay. We think of property as physical, but property also exists in the way of contract. And 17 of those paid out a tax-free death benefit when Nelson passed away because 17 contracts, he was the body. He was the living person that was insured. Does that make sense? Yeah. The family gets all that money. 
But 28 of those contracts, Nelson wasn't the body. It was his wife, his children, his grandchildren, and his great-grandchildren, plus three ex-business partners from real estate deals he did 25 years ago. Okay. All of those contracts got dispersed to the new owners, and Nelson was able to determine that before he died. Hmm. Each one of those, four years later, it's four years since Nelson passed away and he, he left us, since he got called home. And he, the, each one of those contracts has continued to build and grow equity by contract every single year. They've increased in both cash value and in death benefit. And the current owner has the ability to tap in and access that equity, basically like a home equity line of credit for anything that they want to do, any future investment they want to buy, the next vehicle they want to purchase, the next airplane they want to purchase, um, replacing the furnace or the, or, you know, the hot water tank on a property, whatever their heart desires, all of it is available to be tapped into. That is the power of a multi-generational thinking way of conducting your business, whether it's in real estate or in some other mechanism that you're looking to, to do. It's the power of recognizing that you can control the banking function as it relates to you and your family's needs over multiple generations. And that's really what we get to teach people how to do. And our, and our book series is varied aspects of how that works. Like as an example, our, our second book, Cash Follows the Leader, is uninterrupted daily growth with high cash value insurance. And we teach you exactly how these contracts grow and accumulate equity, how you can tap into them for your own usage. And I have a 91-year case study in here of one of my clients in Alberta where him and his wife get contracts on, on each other and on their two children Yep. They're able to tap into that to create a passive income, a tax-free passive income in retirement, protect the family all the way along. Then when they kick the bucket, the kids have policies. They receive a death benefit. They pay off outstanding loans. Like imagine you had a property that had a home equity line that had built up. You paid it all off. You have all that equity to use again, don't you? Yep. And then the kids can now use it to create a passive income for their own retirement and then bless a generation that isn't even alive today. That's the way that we learn how to think and act multi-generationally. And so when you incorporate is, that with sorry, real estate, it becomes very powerful. I'm trying to get my head wrapped around all this. So with his policy, he would have had his kids as the beneficiary. So but the, so it would just pay their uh, their life insurance policy up. Is am I do I have my head wrapped around this right? Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll give you I'll <laughs> give you a I'll give you a tighter example. So yeah. I have two two children, they're 5 and 7 today. Okay. Okay. I own and control some insurance contracts on each of my kids' life. There's, they, they each have two of them, okay? I'm probably going to get more in the future, but for today, they each have two. Okay. Now, I get to use and tap into that, those, that equity while my kids are alive for the rest of the time. At some point, I could say, you know what, kids? You've, you've earned it. I'm going to pass the ownership of this asset over to you now. It'd be like if I bought a piece of real estate and I gave it to them when they were 30 because they demonstrated that they know what they're doing, okay? For me though, I'm actually not gonna do that. I'm gonna hold on to the ownership until the day that I'm gone. When I'm gone, ownership is already set to pass automatically to my wife. So my wife will maintain control until she's gone. And then when she's gone, the ownership automatically transfers to the child. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep. So when I want to go and start taking a passive income later on in life, I'm going to have multiple 
pieces of property in the in the way of insurance contracts plus other assets business interests and you know i got passive income from books i got a lot of things going on all right yeah. but i'll be able to tap into that equity and i can take what's basically a tax free loan against that asset as collateral just like you can borrow against the house with the home equity line and if you take that and you use it to go buy groceries, there's no tax on using that home equity line. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Same concept applies to the insurance. Now, when I want to go and draw down to use some of that capital later on in life, I might use the kids' policies. I use some of mine. I'll use my wife's. When I'm gone, there's going to be a huge chunk of tax-free death benefit that's paid because I've got a lot of it and it's growing every single day. When that gets paid out, I'm going to leave instructions that the kids will take that money and they will pay off the existing loans on their own policies and reset them back to zero. Okay. So if at that point in time, my kids are in their sixties, it would be the equivalent of them buying a policy 60 years ago and resetting it and having 60 years of time. It's like owning a piece of real estate that you've had for 60 years and resetting it back to the original. Does that make sense? Yep. And then they can reuse all that capital as they see fit for their own purposes, their own asset accumulation or retirement needs, whatever, you know, whatever they decide to do with it. They will have the right mindset though, because I'm going to teach them about the concept of family banking. So one of the things that we do already, I've started with my kids. We've now done it two years in a row when we go on a family vacation around spring break. Yep. We, ha we have a family banking meeting. Now at five and seven, it's hard to keep their attention for very long. So, so far our family banking meetings have been around 25 to 30 minutes. I make sure that my wife gets a treat, pick, pick a treat kids so that you can pay attention. We talk about a variety of different things, but one of the things we talk about is the family vacation. What did you love? What, did, what were some of your experiences? Tell me what you loved about being here. And they, they share and they talk about all their memories. And then we say, now, why is it that we're able as a family to come and do this? They'll say, oh, because of the family banking system, dad. Oh, high five, high five, big hugs, reward, reward, reward. They say, now kids, we access money from the family banking system. What do we have to make sure we do? Oh, dad, we have to put it back in. Oh, why do we have to put it back in kids? My daughter chimes in so we can use it again later. Okay. <laughs> and it's so fundamentally simple that kids can get this in a very easy way. Now they don't know anything about insurance. They don't know anything about all the other components. What they recognize is that we have a system as a family that we use to access money for the things that are good in our life. And then if we are good stewards and we're good people and we understand the fundamentals and we replenish that pool of money, we can access it and reuse it again for all the things we want to do later. Very simple, very basic. And when you incorporate that on a grand scale in all the things you do in life, it just begins to expand and explode. And you're operating in like a personal financial aquarium. So your money resources don't leave the aquarium. They're contained and you get to cycle and recycle that capital again and again and again for the things that you and your family are going to be spending your money on. You know, I'll give you an example, Glenn. Uh, you've got probably a number of pieces of real estate. Do you, do you have any garages? Like attached to houses or on the property, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. And so, you know, usually people park in their garage, at least in, in Canada when it's cold, you do that in the wintertime. Most people just st stock their garage full of crap so they can never park in it. But ideally, you can park in your garage. Well, yeah. when you leave your garage to go buy groceries, go take your kids to hockey and soccer practice and dance and all the things you're going to do, and you or you go to work or you go to your podcast studio, wherever you're going to go, when you return back, 
to home, you park at the garage or in the garage. You return the vehicle to the warehouse. It's just a storage facility for your car. Does that make sense? Yeah. Our money is just like that. Our money needs to be stored and warehoused somewhere. Then it needs to leave that warehouse to go and do things, buy groceries, go pay the tax ban, go pay the mortgage guy, go pay to replace the furnace, go buy the hot water tank, go do a down payment on a piece of real estate. Our money's going to leave to go do those things. But then the money has to come back to the warehouse. Well, when it comes back to the warehouse, it should all come back to the same location. The insurance contracts that we work with, the idea of becoming your own banker is to control the flow of that money so you can constantly expand that warehouse for all the things you're already doing in life. Makes a lot of sense. Oh, Richard, I want to keep this to a reasonable amount of time, but I know you have a ton of information. Um, people wanted to get some more of this. How do they find you? Where, where, where's your handles? Maybe a podcast and we'll, uh, yeah. Well, uh, one thing I'd love to do, if it's okay with you, Glenn, I'd like to just give away a book. Is that cool? Sure. Okay, great. So if anybody wants, they can go get our book, Cash Follows the Leader, by going to cashfollows.com. That's cashfollows.com. You can go ahead and grab a copy of that book nice and easy. It'll get a digital download right away, and uh, some other resources will be sent to you. Um, it is available on you know Amazon and Kindle and all that stuff, and the audio version is coming out shortly. And the other best thing that you could probably do to learn more about this concept, what we recommend is we have a seven-step guide that helps people understand a little bit about how it all comes together, and it gives you a recommended learning path so that you can begin the journey of discovery to see if it's even the right fit for you. And it may not be, and that's totally fine. You can go to seven steps, that's sevensteps.ca. Uh, the number seven or the word seven, but number seven steps.ca works really well. And uh, our podcast is Wealth Without Bay Street, Bay Street being the uh, Canadian equivalent of Wall Street. Yep. And uh, we have a lot of fun on there. We have a lot of great episodes. I think we're about 170 or so. And a ton of good content, lots of great interviews with real estate investors. We have a whole client series and of course, we even have a lot of you know business entrepreneurs talking about you know their their pitfalls on their journey and how they've overcome those things. And uh, we have a ton of fun. It's a lot of fun, uh, just like your show is a lot of fun. And you add a ton of value to the people that listen in. So thank you for the opportunity to be with you today. I appreciate that, and thank you for coming on the show. Um, um, so much information, so much information. I might have to listen to it again. Might have to download a book and uh, you know get myself more educated on. Uh, the banker right being my own banker i gotta do some more research um thank you for coming on the show i really appreciate it absolutely thanks for having me that was a nice video bye